us and guide us now into the truth. Anoint the eyes and the ears of the people here so they see the word as it's meant to be seen and hear the word as it's meant to be heard. And Lord, as this revelation dawns on the hearts of these people, may every single one of us, by your grace, not just be hearers of the word, but become doers thereof. And because we're doers of your word, we shall be blessed. We love you so much. Expect good things for your glory and honor in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Um, as you're turning there to Luke chapter 5, maybe you're already there, but just listen up. I want to just, just real quickly remind you uh, about what we've been ministering on for over a year now. We've been ministering on a topic called, What Manner of Man Is This? Speaking of what manner of man Jesus was when he was upon the earth, this earth. And so far, we've seen that Jesus was a man of prayer. We see, we, uh, we've seen that Jesus was a man who always operated in the love of God. We've seen that Jesus was a man who always was found faithful. We've seen that Jesus was a man who uh, operated in divine authority. And we've seen that uh, uh, Jesus, when faced with challenges and sufferings, learned to commit those things to God, his, his Father, and then allow his Father to work those situations out for him. And most recently, we've been looking at how Jesus ministered healing. And so far, we've looked at four out of the 19 cases of healing that are found in the Gospels. We've looked at the uh, healing of the leper. We've looked at the healing of Jairus' daughter. We've looked at the healing of the woman with the issue of blood. And most recently, we've looked at the healing of the centurion's servant. And I know I was talking to Pastor Joan about this recently. And, and it seems like out of all of these different ones we've looked at so far, there's, may, there's, there's several revelations you can draw out of them. But it seems like there's one main thrust that is coming across that if you get a hold of it, you're going to be able to receive healing anytime, anyplace, no matter what. I'm telling you right now, I'm, I'm sincere when I say that. And also, it's going to be able to get you to a position to where you can minister healing to others. Because this study isn't just about finding about who Jesus was. It's about finding out the way we're supposed to be now as Christians, as followers of Christ. Amen. Now, you know, I know people will say, well, I know I can pray like Jesus. I know I can love like Jesus. I know I can, you know, uh, 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 com commit my challenges and, and sufferings to God and, and allow him to work on my behalf like Jesus. And, and I can operate even in divine authority like Jesus but, and be found faithful like Jesus. But man, ministering healing like Jesus? Come on now. That's only, only the Son of God could do that. No, it's not. Because he was the son of God that he was able to minister healing. He was a man. Just like you and me. Just ever get that? Just like you and me. A man. A man. A man. A man. Even though he was still the son of God. He laid down his godly attributes. He was a man. A man. But he was anointed with the spirit. And when he was anointed with the spirit. That's when he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. The bottom line is this. If we will look at how Jesus ministered healing. We can minister healing the exact same way. Did you hear what I said? Did Jesus get results when he ministered healing? Did people leave from Jesus healed? In, in fact, was there ever a time that someone came to Jesus that first of all, Jesus said, no, I'm not going to heal you. Not once. 
Which proves to me at least, it should prove to you as well, that the will of God is for all to be healed. Because if it wasn't God's will to heal all, then at least one of those people who came to Jesus, would have, Jesus would have looked at him and said, I'm sorry, it's not the will of the Father. But every single one of them got healed. Now, I know some people might be thinking, well, Pastor Dan, I know somebody who didn't get healed. Does that change what the will of, of God is? That's so important to understand because I promise you, if you believe like we believe, you're going to be hit with questions like that. I know somebody that was prayed with and they didn't get healed. Sorry, but that does not change what God's will is. I mean, think about it. Is it not the will of God that all come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Do everybody get saved? So does that change the will of God that sometimes it might be God's will to be someone to get born again and sometimes it might not be God's will for somebody to get born again? No. If you don't respond to the will of God, you're not going to benefit from it. See how I'm saying that? It's just so important that we learn that these things are truth. If we will simply grab onto them with our faith and begin to operate, them, operate in them with our faith, expecting to do the works of Jesus. I am telling you, I say it from my mouth constantly. Because I believe on him, the same works that he did, I'm going to do. And because he's gone unto the Father, I'm going to do even greater works than what he did. Amen. I'm not saying that arrogantly. I'm saying that because Jesus said that. I'm just simply coming into agreement with what Jesus said. Isn't that what brings him glory? When we just side in with him, we agree with him, we do what he's telling us to do, we take advantage of what he's done for us. I expect to do minister healing just like Jesus did. Now, I'm going to say something right now. Am I there where Jesus was? Am I at that place? I'm on my way there, but I'm not there yet. But I'm on my way there. See how I'm saying that? It, it, the, the, the bottom line to all of this, I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be just like my king. Amen. Glory to God. And so this morning... I want to continue with our study along these lines by looking at the healing of the paralytic carried to Jesus by his friends. Oh, I love this story. I shared it with you probably back in January, if I'm not mis mistaken. But I'm going to bring out a whole lot more revelation to you. I shared it when we were talking about uh, uh, the, the word of the Lord for this year. I don't know if you remember that or not. But the, the, the bottom line is, I believe you're going to get a whole lot more revelation this morning. From this set of scriptures, amen? So uh, uh, this account is not only found uh, here in Luke 5, it's also found in Matthew 9, verses 1 through 8, and Mark 2, verses 1 through 12. But for time's sake, we're just going to look at this account from Dr. Luke's perspective, okay? I mean, obviously, as the Holy Spirit anointed him to, to uh, write it, amen? But Luke 5, verse 17. Now, it happened on a certain day, as Jesus was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. Question, do we still have Pharisees and teachers of the law? Do we still have those kind of folks with us today? Well, the question should be, do we still have religion with us today? 
religious folks with us today. Oh, yes, we do. And are, are, are people still trying to find fault with Jesus and, and, and his followers and, and with those who preach the full gospel message? Friends, I'm telling you, I find it amazing that the criticisms that I receive simply because I choose to believe the Bible instead of believing religion and the traditions of man. But you know what? Even though I'm receiving criticisms because of what I'm preaching, the gospel message, the fact that my Jesus received those same kind of criticisms means that I must be on the right page. So go ahead, pour it on. Glory to God, I'm going to keep preaching the full gospel. And I'm going to keep being used by him to do his works, amen? Glory to God, praise you, Jesus. I tell you, the one I love, the one I serve, the one I live for is everything to me. Is everything to me. He's my all in all. And I am determined, determined to be that bright light, to be that shining light that people look at me and I just, a neon sign. I'm just like Jesus. I'm just like Jesus. I'm just like Jesus. Amen. Should not be every one of our cries as Christians, as children of God. We shall be a reflection of him. We shall be a reflection of his glory. All right. But I'm going to tell you something. If that happens, expect criticisms. You will be criticized, especially by religious folks. Are you hearing me? All right, then. Everybody smile real big. So here we have a whole bunch of religious leaders of that day. And they're taking up all these seats in this house. In other words, a whole bunch of people who might have uh, been sick or bound or whatever weren't able to get into this house where Jesus was because of all these religious folk who are sitting around trying to entrap Jesus with what Jesus was saying or doing. Isn't that crazy? And now notice this. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. To heal who? All those who were there that day listening to Jesus minister. Now, if there was power to heal, what do you think Jesus was preaching on? Ministering on. On healing. But guess what? Not a, a single one of them got healed, did they? I mean, you'd have to change the scriptures or add to the scriptures to say that anybody in that house got healed. In other words, even though the, now hear this, even though the healing power of God may be present to heal doesn't mean that you're going to get healed. Unless you mix your faith with it. Did you hear that? I tell you, that's worth getting up and coming to church right there. Because that is such a powerful truth. It's not just true with healing. It's true with everything. Stop and think about it. Isn't that exactly the way it is with people getting born again? Getting saved? When someone comes into a service and begins to preach along the lines that Jesus died for your sins. Jesus went to the cross for you and died there for you. And, and, and was raised up again from the dead. And you, you hear that message, 
Is the power to be saved now right in that place? True. But does that mean that somebody sitting in those seats who heard that message but doesn't respond to that message is going to get born again? If you don't respond to that salvation message, guess what? You'll leave from that service just as unsaved as when you came into it. Even though the power to be saved was there. What does a person have to do to get born again? You have to receive Jesus Christ into your heart. Confess him as your personal Lord and Savior. Amen. And then you will be saved. In other words, you've got to mix your faith with it. And the same thing is true with healing. It can be present as it was here in the case uh, uh, here in Luke. And not a single person gets healed. I mean, that's, that's really, I mean, that's sad, isn't it? And, and it's not because it's not the will of God for them to be healed. It's because they didn't respond to it with their faith. Do you see that? Friends, I'm telling you, this is such a powerful truth. That will send your faith soaring. Everybody say soaring. How many want your faith to soar? To go up to the next level? Oh, I know I do, friends. If you can get this revelation from the Spirit of God, I'm telling you, your faith is going to soar. Everything... That Jesus has accomplished for us and made available for us through his redemptive work, such as getting born again, such as healing, such as deliverance, getting set free. It must be appropriated into our lives with our faith. Or it's not going to benefit you. But you've got to get this understanding. Trust God for revelation in this area. It's already yours. It already belongs to you. So if you're asking God for healing, should you ever for even a moment think that God would say, no, you can't have it. No, 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 you can't have that deliverance. No, 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 you can't have your needs met. See what I'm saying? That's the mentality of so many people. Sometimes God says yes, sometimes God says no. It already belongs to us. Are you listening to what I'm saying? It's yours. All you're doing is taking advantage of what Jesus Christ has already done. And that's what brings God glory. We're going to see that at the end of this teaching. When you take advantage of what Jesus has done, it brings glory to God. So that means when you're asking for God for something that is already yours, you bring him glory. Doesn't it make it a whole lot easier to ask God for it? It's got your name on it. Healing has your name on it. Deliverance has your name on it. Prosperity has your name on it. And everything else Jesus did for us has your name on it. As a child of God, it belongs to you and it belongs to me. It's not going to benefit you, however, unless you take your hands of faith and reach into the spirit realm, grab onto it and bring it to you. Amen. Oh, I tell you what. You want to sit, get your, your faith to soar and get that revelation. Say, Lord, help me. Say it right now, Lord, help me. Help me to see this. I want this revelation ringing off the walls of my heart. Right now, Lord, I want, this, I want to understand this. I want to know with certainty that all Jesus did for me already belongs to me. It's mine. 
and with my faith, I bring it to me. Woo! Glory to God. The bottom line is that everything we need to live whole and healthy and free and prosperous and victoriously and successful is already ours as children of God. They law. It's already yours. It's already mine. None of those things are going to benefit us unless we mix our faith with it. Now, again, if you're listening to what I'm saying, can you see how operating in faith shouldn't be hard for us? It should be pretty easy. Because all you're doing is taking advantage of what is already yours. Why do we have to beg and wallow and come before God as lowly worms as so many religious folks say we should when God has made a way for us to come boldly into his presence and make petitions to him based upon his word, fully expecting that what he's done for us, we're just receiving it now into our lives with our faith. See how I'm saying that? I know I've been studying this, and I know I, the, it's kind of like when I say bouncing off the walls of your heart, remember that part when I said it earlier? It's what's doing, going on right now. It's like, it's bouncing off the walls of my heart. I'm excited about this. I'm ready for my faith to soar, to go to the next level, and to keep going up. Amen. And I want it to happen for you, too. And it will if you fully believe that God wants you to have these things. If you fully believe that God wants you to get this revelation, it will change you. It will change you. I said it will change you. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Pretty good to slap my son in, but anyway. Praise you, Jesus. These things are ours. It's that simple. Receive them by faith. So even though the healing power was, to, was present to heal them, None of these religious folks got healed. They were too busy trying to find fault with Jesus and everything he was saying and doing. But there were a group of guys on the outside who had a whole lot of different attitude, who were operating a whole lot differently. Look at verse 18. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring bring him in, because of the crowd, they gave up and turned around and headed home, telling one another that it must not have been the will of God for this man to be healed because there was no way to get to Jesus. It was just too crowded. All the doors were shut. It must not be God's will. Is that what happened? No. They went up on the housetop and led him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. So when these guys show up, carrying their paralyzed friend, they're now on a mission to get to Jesus. Did you hear that? Obviously, these guys must have heard about Jesus. And all that came to him were healed. And although the Bible doesn't tell us how far they traveled, 
But bottom line is that it isn't easy to carry somebody laying, I mean, that's on a bed. Now, when you hear a bed, we think of our big beds. It was like a, a mat, a cot, something along those lines. But still, to carry someone like that for a distance, that wouldn't be easy, would it? These guys were determined. These guys were determined. These guys were determined to get to Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And, and, and when they arrive at the house where Jesus is, they try to get to the front door, but it's packed up with people. So they go to the back door. Same thing. Can't get in because of the crowd. So they look at the windows. Go around to all the windows. Can't get in. There's no way to get in. So what happens? All five of these guys, five, four that were carrying them, and the guy that was on the cot, I believe they kind of got in a huddle. You know what I mean? Gathering around one another. What are we going to do? Well, how are we going to get to Jesus? We got to get to Jesus. We came this far. We're going to get to Jesus. How are we going to get to Jesus? And all of a sudden, one of them looks up. See the roof. Now, the roofs on these houses were flat. First of all, you need to know that. And this guy looks up and sees this roof. He says, what about up there? There's nobody up there. What about up there? Now, get this. This guy's laying on this cot, paralyzed. And this guy says, what about on the roof? What do you think the guy on the con is thinking? How are you going to get me up there? What's up? Now, it does not tell us. The Bible does not tell us how they got up there. But can you envision two guys somehow get up there? Maybe they went up, the, got some people out of the way, climbed up the window way. I don't know. But they got up there, and they pushed. The other two were on the ground and pushed the cot up. They grabbed onto it and pulled it, pulled it, and then flopped them down. I don't know. But they got him up there. They were determined to get to Jesus. And then when they got him up there, it was not over, was it? Because they were just on the roof. But when they got on the roof, they knew they were close. What did they start to do? They began to tear through the roof. Pull up the tiling. Tear through the roof. Because friends, they were getting to Jesus. And think about it. They had to tear a hole big enough to get this man down through it on his cot. So what do you think was going on with all those that were sitting down below? Now let me throw this in for free. The Bible doesn't tell us whose house this was. But it happened in the city of Capernaum. Are you listening? And many theologians believe it was Peter's house. In fact, when I was over in Israel, I saw that house. And they were saying, this is the house where the guy was let down. The paralytic was let down. And of course, it's not all built up. It's, you know, there's not much left of it. But the bottom line is, is I could see Peter probably sitting close to Jesus, not far from Jesus, when all of a sudden he hears all this commotion up on the roof. And so Peter begins to look up at what's going on. And then all of a sudden he sees dirt falling down and pieces of tiling falling down. And he's like going, what is going on? I mean, I'm not saying he's saying it out loud, but he's thinking it. And then all of a sudden he looks at Jesus to start to complain to Jesus about these guys tearing through his roof. But when he looks at Jesus, he stops. 
Why? Because I believe Jesus was sitting there with dirt and tiling all in his hair and all over his robe with the biggest grin on his face. Smiling from ear to ear. Why? Because he could look up and see these guys were operating in faith. He was surrounded with doubt and unbelief. All these religious people trying to fall and find fault with him. And here these people were who couldn't get to Jesus through the door, through the windows, tearing up the roof to get to him. Oh, I bet Jesus was smiling. I bet he was smiling big time. Then what happens? Glory to God, glory to God. When he, verse 20, Jesus saw their faith. Is it possible to see faith? Get this. Obviously, obviously so, because Jesus could see their faith. But how? By the actions of those operating in it. Did you hear what I just said? See, faith is of the Spirit. But we can see faith by the actions of those operating in it. Again, here's four men tearing up a roof and lowering their paralyzed friend down to where Jesus was. All because they refused to give up when it seemed like all the doors to get to Jesus had closed. You aren't going to stop, friends. Now, hear this. And Jesus recognized the great lengths that they went through to get to him. He knew he was looking at people operating in faith. Why? Listen, faith always perseveres faith refuses to give up faith is determined and persistent friends once you know what the will of the lord is get this then that's exactly how you must become you must become persistent determined refusing to give up no matter how many doors are shut no matter if it seems like you just can't get to jesus friends get up on the roof and tear the roof up are you listening to me hallelujah glory to god we must become undaunted refusing to quit everybody say i refuse to quit see what i'm saying why, why, why do we ever glory to god why do we give up on what god wants to do for us are we saying that, God, you don't have enough to get it to me? That, God, you don't have, just, this situation is too difficult for you? This, this problem that I'm going through right now is too big for you? I don't care what you're going through. I know there's people in this room right now that are going through some serious challenges. But you must know that God is big enough to handle it. He's, he is your answer. And don't give up on your faith. Don't let go of it. No matter what you're seeing, no matter what you're hearing, no matter if all the doors are shutting, who cares? You know what the will of the, God, will, the, will of the Lord is. And because you know that will, you will not stop until you see the manifestation of what God has spoken to your heart come to pass. Oh man, I'm about to explode right now. I'm sincere. I mean, there's such an anointing on me right now. Glory to God. That's what it's fun. Praise you, Jesus. Woo! He could see their faith. Now notice what Jesus said next. He said to him, man, 
Your sins are forgiven you. What? Is that what this man had come for? No. He had come to be healed, right? So why did Jesus look at this man and say, your sins are forgiven you? Well, I believe there's more than one reason. But there's one, I would say one of the biggest reasons is this. And if listen to this. Take this down. Write this down. It's so important. One of the biggest reasons why is one of the biggest faith destroyers is condemnation. It's condemnation. If your heart is condemning you over something you said or did, a sin that you've committed, it will negatively impact your faith and your ability to receive anything from God. Go with me in your Bibles real quickly to, or just look up here for time's sake. 1 John chapter 3. I want you to see this. Glory to God. It says this, Beloved, if your heart does not condemn us, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him. Whatever we ask, we receive from Him. Whatever we ask, we receive from Him. Because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Listen to this uh, from the New Living Translation. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence. And we will receive for him whatever we ask because we obey him. In other words, we're walking in love and do the things that please him. We're living by faith. Amen. But notice the key to being confident before God and receiving from him is if your heart does not condemn you. But what if your heart does condemn you? What if your heart is condemning you? You're not going to have confidence toward God. I said you're not going to have confidence toward God. You won't come before him with bold confidence. And as a result, it will negatively impact your faith and your ability to receive from Almighty God. So Jesus looked at this paralyzed man and says to him, no matter how badly you've missed it in your life, no matter how many mistakes you've made in your life, your sins are forgiven you. In other words, if Jesus tells you your sins are forgiven you, now I'm gonna, this is a deep thought. When Jesus tells you your sins are forgiven you, your sins are forgiven. Am I the only one sometimes when you say, God, forgive me, you're just like going, I don't know how he can do that. How can you forgive me, Lord? You know, with that kind of an attitude, watch out because condemnation is coming. Shame's coming. Unworthiness is coming. You've got to believe that when you ask God to forgive you, he forgives you. But when Jesus said to this man, your sins are forgiven you, what was Jesus saying to him? Say it again. Your sins are forgiven you. I know it's like a deep thought, but it's so powerful. We've got to understand this is so important to get a revelation of. Listen, after you're forgiven, you know that you're forgiven. Condemnation goes. Guilt and shame go. Feeling unworthy goes. Why? Because you know that you're forgiven. And now you can have confidence toward God. And and you're able to receive from Him what you're in need of. Amen. Listen, do you understand that when you know that you're truly forgiven, 
That's when your faith can effectively work. That's a powerful statement. I know you may not sound like one, but it's powerful. When you know that you're truly forgiven, that's when your faith can effectively work. Now there's absolutely nothing holding you back from receiving from the Lord. Glory to God. Now, that, now listen, that doesn't mean the devil's going to leave you alone. The devil will come and he will endeavor to bring condemnation to you. He will endeavor to bring shame to you. He will endeavor to make you feel guilty, to make you feel unworthy. That's just his M.O. Count on it. But when he comes, when he comes, what you must do is remind him of how powerful the blood is. Amen. I tell you, you've heard me say this so many times, probably everybody in here can repeat it with me. When you mess up, fess up, but don't give up. Don't, and, and, and when the devil comes to try to get you to give up, to try to get you to feel condemned, because that's what condemnation is going to do. Feeling full of shame and feeling unworthy is going to do. It's going to make you give up. It's going to make you let go of your faith and say, I, I can't receive from God. I'm telling you right now, Listen to me. I know sometimes people have the attitude, Pastor Dan, you don't know what I do. You don't know how many times I've missed it. You don't know how powerful the blood of Jesus is. Mm. When Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood on that cross, he dealt with every sin you and I have ever committed or ever will commit. He already dealt with it. Forgiveness is already ours. Remember, we were talking about this earlier. It already belongs to you and me. That's why the Bible says, when we sin, confess it to God. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We're now appropriating that mercy into our lives, his forgiveness into our lives by confessing the sin to him. Do you see that? So when the devil comes and tells you you're a sorry rascal, that you're not, you're one of the worst Christians who ever lived. And you can't expect to receive anything from God, whether healing or anything else. Remind him of the blood. Glory to God. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, let me say this about the blood. Something the Lord. When you ask God to forgive you, the blood of Jesus doesn't just partially cleanse you. Did you hear that? The blood of Jesus 100% cleanses you and washes you as white as snow. Glory to Jesus. Thank God for the blood, amen? And when Jesus looked at this paralyzed man and said those words to him, your sins are forgiven you, what do you think it did to that man? I'm telling you right now, it was like a ton of bricks fell off of him. All the guilt, all the condemnation, all the shame for any mistakes he had made in his life. Are you hearing me? Now he was in a position to receive what he came for, his healing. But notice what happens next. Can you stick with me? I'm almost done. We're good? Because it's going to get even gooder. Verse 21, and the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, how did he do that? Well, Pastor Dan, he's the son of God. Of course he can read people's minds. No. Remember, Jesus 
was a man. He emptied himself of his godly attributes. How did Jesus perceive their thoughts? It's called a gift of the Spirit, the word of knowledge. But guess what? Those gifts of the Spirit are available to you and me. Did you know that? Now, it doesn't mean you can go around reading people's thoughts all the time. Wouldn't that be really bad? Everybody like going, oh, dear Jesus, I don't even want to run into him right now. <laughs> Ron, really? Are you thinking that? <laughs> no, but, 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 but see, the situation called for Jesus to have an understanding of what these Pharisees and these religious folks were thinking. And so when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk? How many know the answer to that? Isn't it easier to say your sins are forgiven you than it is to say rise up and walk? Let me prove it to you. Because probably every single Christian, when they ask God to forgive them, believes he'll do just that. In other words, Christians don't have any issues with that area. (laughs) But what about healing? Well, Pastor Dan, that's a totally different area. It is. Who told you that? Can I ask you a question? When did healing become a reality for us as Christians? At the very same time that our sins were forgiven. Are you listening? Jesus' redemptive work. Now, the other side of this, too, is making it so that we understand to say your sins are forgiven you. That's a spiritual thing, right? So it's not something you can see. But when we're talking about healing, although it is a spiritual thing from the because you need to be healed on the inside, see yourself healed on the inside, but it also involves this natural realm. It involves your physical body, right? So it's easier for someone to say your sins are forgiven you than to rise up and walk or be healed because a lot of times you're going to be able to, wait a minute, I don't see any difference. I'm not seeing any difference. See how I'm saying that. But let me just throw this in right now. The fact that everything that I just said, the forgiveness of our sins and our healing and deliverance and, and, and wisdom and prosperity and all those things were all wrapped up in the redemptive work of Christ. We should trust God to be able to believe to be healed just as quickly as we believe that we're forgiven when we ask God to forgive us. Just as quickly. Just as quickly. And that means you can't be moved by what you see or how you feel. I'm telling, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell off on me, and my wife can attest to this. I have not kissed my wife since I got back from Israel. And it's been one of the hardest things in my life. You might be thinking, well, Pastor Dan, you're a sorry rascal. No, 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 listen. I've been dealing with junk since I got back from, from, from Israel. And I've been speaking the word. And I've been standing on the promises. And I'm refusing to back down. And I wake up some mornings and I'm saying, whoa, glory to God. I feel great. And then all of a sudden by the evening time, I'm coughing again. Or I'm dealing with something again. Or I'm knotting it up. You know, I don't mean to be gross or anything. But it's been like, I've been dealing with this for a month. And for a lot of folks, they would be saying, well, I guess I didn't get it. I refuse to say that. I continue to stand and believe that I'm whole and healthy. And I will be kissing my wife very shortly. Hallelujah. Amen. 
and all that. It was so funny because this is the truth. I said, honey, I woke up one morning, honey, I dreamed that I kissed you. Anyway, moving right along, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Now notice how Jesus followed up this question, I'm almost done. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Verse 25, immediately he rose up before them. Glory to God! He's got paralyzed, and immediately he gets up took up what he had been lying on and departed to his own house, glorifying God. Think about how he would have been reacting. What would you have done? To be able to stand up on legs that used to be useless, that you were not able to walk on. And now, glory to God, the fact that you tore through that roof, the fact that you're... jumping up and down and shouting. And it's exactly what happened. And I guarantee you, the guys that brought him were shouting just as loud. Woo! Show I don't think I could ever do that again because I don't... <laughs> Woo! But I want you to notice healing, 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 healing glorifies God. Isn't that something? Healing glorifies God. In verse 26, and they were all amazed. They were all amazed, even the religious folk. And they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things here today. How many believe this formerly paralyzed man was shouting and have a good time? Jumping up and down. On what used to be useless legs. How many believe this really happened? And what about the four who had brought him to Jesus? Were they having a good Holy Ghost hoedown? You better believe it. Woo! So once again, our faith must be persistent. Our faith must always persevere. Our faith must refuse to quit. And when we get to that place... When we hear from God and we know it's his will, that's how we must approach God with complete confidence. And if for any reason we've messed up, we must remind ourselves that the blood of Jesus is greater than that. And refuse condemnation when it tries to come. And know that your sins are forgiven you. Hallelujah. And that now you have complete confidence before Almighty God to receive from Him. And when you receive from Him, I guarantee you, if it's something like this, you're going to be standing up and shouting. And in fact, even if it's the healing of a, uh, a hangnail on your little pinky, you should be standing up and shouting. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't think it's a strange thing when people look at you and all the shouting that you're doing and all the, the joy that you're expressing and say, Ooh, I have seen some strange things today. Let them say it. Because now we have received from God what we were believing Him for. Amen. Did you get anything out of that? Oh, thank you. I tell you, I tell, when you get in the Word and you study these things out, you can, when you're digging, you can find nuggets in there. They'll totally change you, change your life. I'm ready. I am ready 
I am ready. I'm ready for my faith to blast off. I'm ready for my faith to soar. I'm ready for, I'm telling you, what the devil has meant for destruction, God will turn it to his glory as long as you love him, as long as you're living for him, as long as you'll learn to commit it to him, and as long as you know that if you've messed up, God's forgiven you, and now you can stand before God as his righteousness, completely, 100% cleansed, no more condemnation, no more guilt, no more shame, no more unworthy. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, to receive from him. Oh, he's so good. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for the word this morning. We thank you so much for the Holy Spirit once again as our teacher for what you've revealed to our hearts today. I love you, Jesus, with all my heart and soul and strength. You amaze me with the love.